Hello everyone, this is the Parks Academy where we discuss and celebrate all things theme parks related. We focus mainly on Disney parks and resorts in both Anaheim and Orlando. My name is Paige. My name is Steven. And today we will be continuing our Park Icons mini-series. Yeah, um, we decided not to give up on it quite yet. So we have three more things that we're going to be talking about. <laughs> uh, maybe four, probably not, but maybe. Uh, it depends on great. it depends on like how many icons we can come up with. But we thought there was three that were kind of like, uh, I don't know, living in the shadows, or at least one of them could have been argued to be the main um, icon, which is what we're talking about today. You know? Yep, so, absolutely. Yeah. What uh, What are you excited about this week? You got something? I do. So I mine is from this past week. I now that I have more free time, I've been watching some shows I've been meaning to watch throughout the school year. And I watched A Small Light on Disney+, Plus, which, um, if you're not familiar, is about Meep Geist. She was the woman who helped um, hide the Frank family, Anne Frank, and her family and some others as well. And um, really from her perspective, from Meep's perspective and it was just really well done. It was, I think it was eight or 10 episodes. It wasn't super long. I watched it in just a few days and it was so good. Disney Plus, I think it was actually from National Geographic, which they're partnered up with Disney Plus. So it was a really, really good watch. I've never read The Diary of a Young Girl, but I am familiar obviously with um, Anne Frank and the Holocaust just from other things that I've learned in school and from other readings. But this show was really, really well done. So I would highly nice. recommend. I would assume most of our listeners have Disney Plus, and if that's something that yeah. they're interested in, I thought the casting was great. The yeah, the story was really touching. So good. Yeah, that's what I was excited. Yeah, about. I was. I've been working when you've been watching it, but I've kind of popped in and out. And it looks like it's well done. The production, anyway. So that's cool. Um, yeah. What are you excited about? Okay, so uh, last weekend. Uh, not this weekend, but last weekend, um, a listener wrote to me on Instagram and said, Dominic, a listener, um, they said to me, they said, uh, hey, we were listening to some of your episodes and a couple, like, I don't remember when it was, but I mentioned that I was excited, I was excited about this game, Block Blast, that I was playing on my phone. And um, they were like, if you like that, you need to play the Disney um, Emoji Blitz game. And um, I I downloaded it and it is maybe a problem because I really like playing it and um, I kind of play it whenever I have a few minutes to spare and um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you've been nonstop playing that game. I know. I feel like I should probably stop. What do you think? Well, that's... We can like air it all out you. here. That's up to you. Um, our daughter seems to really like it too. She says, I try and then she comes over and takes my phone and tries and then she gets like zero points, but she likes it. She thinks it's fun to look at all the little Disney It is emojis. fun, yeah. She likes it when she's Mickey Mouse or Goofy on the game, which is funny because I just unlocked Minnie, so I'll have to surprise her with that one later. Very cute. You know? Um, cool. So uh, before we get into uh, the icon we're talking about today, I just wanted to quickly um, say uh, thank you to our sponsor, Deep Cut. We'll be mentioning them a little later, but of course you can get 10% off your first order with the code TPA10 at checkout. And uh, also, just a little front matter, we would like to say that um, we appreciate everyone who listens and all the kind words and 
and everything you guys give us. Um, and if you would be willing to uh, hit us up with a nice review and rating on uh, Apple Podcasts, that is always much appreciated and, uh, and, and definitely helps our show with, with visibility and, and rankings and stuff like that. Um, I guess the only final thing before we get into our topic is, um, like almost everyone in the universe, we did jump on threads this week and that's been kind of a fun little thing. Um, it's a very like non-toxic, um, almost like conversational community that, um, Instagram rolled out. Um, you're not on it yet, are you? I am not, no. Are you, any plans on checking it out or? Probably not. Yeah, it's okay. I have it for my personal account and it's okay, good, but, um, I like it for the, uh, the podcast. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I haven't jumped on any new social media in probably 10 years. Yeah, Maybe so more. I think that the reason that I was so willing to go on this one was because it is like an alternative to Twitter. And I haven't really been on Twitter in a very long time. Um, and all the other new social media seems like they're for Gen Zers, kind of, you know? Yeah, we're not TikTok people. And this is like not that yeah, at all. So, for sure. Um. A lot of brands are on there, though, and it's kind of insufferable. That's true. That is true. Um, okay, cool. Well, uh, we are going to get right into talking about, um, I'm just going to say the Sun Wheel, even though it's not technically its name anymore. Okay, so we're talking about um, the uh, the the sun wheel. I didn't. Did I say fun wheel at first, or did I say sun wheel? I think you said sun wheel. I think I. T- I'm pretty sure you did. Um, so we t- when we were choosing, um, well, I'll be honest. When I was choosing park icons to highlight, I chose uh, Grizzly Peak um, because it really is one of the standout things at, at DCA. But I think that maybe some people may not even really know exactly what that is. Um, like, especially if you haven't really been to Disney before, if you, to Disneyland before, maybe the first thing you think of when you think of DCA is, uh, the big Ferris wheel with Mickey's face on it. Um, I don't know if that would be what you have thought of beforehand. Um, but it's kind of like saying the, I don't know, I, I almost like equated to saying that the, the icon in Animal Kingdom is like, you know, Expedition Everest and not the tree. Right. The two could easily be conflated with each other because yep. they're both similar in, in scope and scale and stuff. Right. Um, even though the Tree of Life is very clearly the, the main icon. But um, we just want, I wanted to circle back around on this because I felt like there was things to say about it. And then I quickly realized um, that there's actually more to say about Paradise Pier. And by the way, I'm going inter- to interchange uh, Mickey's Fun Wheel, so, um, Pixar Pal Around Sun Wheel, Paradise Pier, and Pixar Pier. Like I'm just going to switch those in and out. So it's not that I don't know which one's which or what it is now, but I'm, I'm not going to continue clarifying myself that's just going to be too obnoxious right because it's undergone those changes right um so yeah to me the interesting thing is that it has there's less to do with the actual sun wheel itself and more to do with um pixar pier and so basically if we take a look at there's obviously a really long story you know history behind behind dca and um I don't need to get into every little bit of it because that could be an entirely different episode. In fact, this, the history of DCA could be an entire episode series, frankly. Um, but originally, uh, Paradise Pier in, in, in Disney California Adventure was going to be Surf City. Um, 
And as they were kind of working through that idea, um, they, it actually turned out that they couldn't use that name uh, because two cities in California had protected the name um, with like a copyright, basically. And that's in Huntington Beach in Southern, Cal- in Southern California um, and uh, Santa Cruz in Northern California. They didn't want Disney to use that because it was part of like what they were using. Um, so Surf City was like a intellectual property of those two Makes locations. Sense. Yeah. And so um, basically, you know, when, when California Adventure was first conceptualized, uh, Imagineers had envisioned, you know, a pier similar to those that you might find up and down the California coast. So like, um, uh, I don't know, like, was it Malibu? does Malibu have one? Santa Monica Pier is what I'm thinking mm-hmm. of. You know, Santa Cruz, things like that. Um, and uh, what's really Kind of, kind of crazy to me about it is that Paradise Pier is actually the largest um, land in California adventure, um, and it offers like a wide array of, if you don't know, entertainment, dining, rides, um, you know, sideshow kind of attractions of like carnival games and things like that. Um, but when they were putting together DCA, they ran into a bunch of issues. Um, And, you know, first of all, one of the things that they really wanted to do, and this will kind of be the extent of of what I say when it comes to, um, you know, the actual park. But they wanted the original idea was to do something that was going to be kind of like Disney Seas in Lagoon. um, I think it was in Long Beach, California. They were going to do that. Okay, it's going to be like this was before Tokyo Disney opened up Mm -hmm. and um, they ended up that ended up not working and it kind of failed. And so as they were like mulling over what they were going to do for a new park. Um, they were trying, they, they came up with, you know, the Disney California adventure, which we talked about of like, um, you know, one of the, one of the things about Disney versus Disneyland versus Disney world is like, when you go to Orlando, you're going for Disney world. But if you go to Southern California, or if you're coming out to California from other places in the country or the world, you want to see, you know, you want to see the Hollywood sign, you want to see San Francisco, you want to see the, you know, Sequoias and, and national parks and things like that. Um, or Monterey or whatever, and just see it all. Um, and so one of the things they were they were saying is like, why don't we just make every part of California accessible to our guest here in right. one park? So they um, can kind of get the whole scope of California by visiting DCA. Yeah. So they had this big expansion plan ready to go, and it kind of ended up being this huge issue with the city of Anaheim and also just budget constraints in general. Um, a, uh, a business owner named Joe Slinsky, he actually found out that his business was going to be taken over by a parking lot, um, after like the plans were released to the public to look at and everything like that. So there was a lot of issues and like oversight on how they were going to actually build up this new park. Um, and then of course, you know, the, the, um, failure of Euro Disney was, was a huge hit for the Disney company. They had to scrap a ton of plans of what they wanted to do and, um, you know, uh, things in the park that they were going to make just almost be like this mix of Tokyo Disney Seas or a, a, a you know Disney Sea area um, mixed with like Westcott and all these cool things. They had to really scale it back. Um, and then to make matters worse, um, Frank Wells, who was uh, the president of the Walt Disney Company from 1984 to 94, he um, died in a very um, tragic uh, helicopter crash. And in the same year, um, Michael Eisner had a quadruple bypass surgery, which um, really kind of shot his momentum for, you know, drive for a new park and stuff like that. Yeah. And so part of how we actually ended up even getting Paradise Pier to begin with, or just DCA in general, is uh, Paul Pressler. Uh, He became the new president of Disneyland Operations, 
And he basically, he came from the world of merchandising and cost-cutting retail practices. Um, and he basically had to help Disney save money by scaling back DCA. So he was in charge of shutting down a lot of things in Disneyland during that period of time. So they had this big, beautiful idea for Tomorrowland that ended up just turning into a big nothing. So if you think about like why, you know, the people mover tracks are still there, but there's nothing else. It's Paul Pressler. There's a lot of things that go back to him. Okay. Um, he shut down the Disneyland uh, Electric Light Parade. He shut down the Submarine Voyage. And he was responsible for partly I mean, it was under his, his site as the president, right? He was responsible um, for the collapsing roof of the Tiki Room due to lack of upkeep because they just figured it'd be fine. Oh, no. Um, so there's like all this junk that happened. And, um, you know, it just just bad, 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 bad. So after all this happened in August 1995, um, the Imagineers and the Disney team, uh, or maybe just the Disney executives, they had a, a retreat in Aspen, Colorado, and um, their Long Beach Disney Sea, which had um, a $3 billion budget, was shrunk, shrunk down to a $1.1 billion, uh, no, excuse me, a $600 million budget. So they, I mean, it was like, you know, 75% of the budget was just shrunk down and, and, and brought down to nothing for them to have to build out, um, you know, what we know as today as, uh, as, as DCA. So Surf Beach became Paradise Pier and um, its focus, regrettably, uh, was cheap games and rides. So I don't know if you remember this or not, but, um, you know, there was, and again, Pixar Pier could be an entire, Paradise Pixar Pier could be an entirely different episode just on its own, but like, they had the Malibuomer. They have the original, you know, Sunwheel, um, California Screamin', um, the Orange Zinger, which was like what the Silly Symphony swings are now. Um, this incredibly tacky dinosaur sunglasses hut, a, a burger, a French fry stand from McDonald's. I mean, it was like really tacky and really bad. Um, so, the original Sunwheel, it is, uh, it was when it, it was original. Um, it was an original uh, uh, day attraction. It's uh, It was the focal point of Paradise Pier, um, and it was situated right next to the Malibuomer, which is no longer there, but that was like one of those rides that shoot you up in the air. And, you right. Know, you I've seen down. pictures of that, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah, one of the very few, if not the only, uh, rides like that that have shields in front of your face so you can't, the neighbors in, or in Anaheim can't hear you screaming. That's great. And bother them all day. Um, it's one of the few rides in Disney that does offer barf bags. Also uh, great. Which is because of the swinging, uh, the swinging ride mechanics, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, it is technically uh, 150 feet high, um, although the ride itself is 160 feet, but it is technically below sea level. Ah. Um, so that was for them to basically for Disney to be able to, you know, avoid having to put a light beacon on top of it for airplanes, which we've talked about before. It would make it very ugly and, and kind of take take away the whole vibe. Right. Um, at the time it was opened, there was a lot of different things going on in Paradise Pier, but um, the sun face um, kind of looked like ornamental art from the 1970s that was influenced by Mexican folk art, um, just like a really big kind of smiling sun. Um, and uh, the California sun remained stationary as the ride rotated behind it. Um, for the ride mechanic itself, before you boarded the sun wheel, you get to decide whether you want a tame conventional Ferris wheel, wheel ride or a thrilling ride um, in a gondola that moves and swings. Um, this is an exact um, quote from the Disney website back in the 90s, okay? Paradise's Pier, Paradise Pier's Sunwheel takes guests on a Ferris wheel ride high above Disney 
Disney's California Adventure. Now it's just Disney California Adventure, but at the time it was Disney's um, apostrophe S. Uh, you can play it a bit safe by riding on one of the cool stationary gondolas or for a real thrill, climb into one of the purple and orange gondolas, which ride an interior rails. Uh, so they slide inward and outward with a centrifugal force of the wheel's um, rotational movement. So, um, really boring description. I've never done that one because you don't like it. I don't. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it next time. I think it sounds fun. Uh, so, one thing I didn't know is that this is one of two... Um, this, is, this is only one of two ferris wheels in the world that are like this and they both reside in the united states it was actually modeled after the wonder wheel in coney island which opened in 1927 are you familiar with this have you heard of this thing no i haven't so i've never been to coney island before. neither have i i've been to new york city but i've never had a reason to go out to coney island right we've never done the coney um, island thing so it turns out that the sun wheel was actually um a very faithful copy of this historic wonder wheel um at uh uh at Dino's Wonder Wheel Amusement Park at Coney Island in Brooklyn, New York. The Wonder Wheel is still operating, and it is named an official New York landmark as of 1989. Uh, just like the Disney version, the original has 16 swinging gondolas that slide around the track as the wheel rotates, um, and eight stationary gondolas. The Wonder Wheel has a diameter of 150 feet, so very similar, uh, while the slightly larger Sun Wheel has the diameter of 160 feet, like I had mentioned yep. uh, before. There, of course, is no sun face on the Wonder Wheel. And, uh, of course, we know that there's no longer a sun face on the sun wheel either. Although uh, the wheel itself is still in DCA and it's, it's the exact same, you know, as before with different paint jobs and different gondolas and things like that. Um, one of the things that we kind of like to go over when we are talking about these icons specifically is the lore of the whole thing. Yeah. And so because... Because Paradise Pier is just kind of uh, was kind of built as like a nothing sort of park, there's a very uh, there's very little that we can actually glean from any kind of lore that they have about it. The only thing that we know for sure is that there was technically an owner. His name was Gustav uh, Tinkerschmidt. He was a German traveling showman in the 19th century, and he came to own the Paradise Pier outside of Los Angeles in California. That's um, that's literally the description of him. That's the whole lore. Yeah, I mean, his name can be seen on some windows and things like that, but okay, it's a little tacky. But when they make so it used to be Munhole and Madness was Goofy's Sky School. Okay, uh, that's what it used to be called, and basically it was like, um, you know, you were on Munhole and Drive, and there was these really terrible tacky cardboard cutouts of like you know cars that had crashed through it and stuff like that. Right. Um, at some point in the 20th century, the article goes on to say he let the tune Goofy use a portion of Paradise Pier as quote a flight salvage yard to reclaim, repair, and store damaged and unused airplane parts. Goofy went on to use this portion of the pier as his destructive sky school and to make egg deliveries for the company Shell. Which is a pun. Right. Not, not great. Yep. Not great. I mean, they basically <laughs> were like, we're going to, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about IP, but they're basically like, we're going to force an IP here because sure. early days there was very little IP in DCA. Yeah. Hardly any. With, believe it or not, the exception of A Bug's Land. I mean, that was kind of it yeah. um, in so many ways. I mean, they had the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror opened up later, but you just didn't have um, barely any IP in the park, right. like at all. It was right. a really it was weird time. all about California. Yeah, really weird time. Yeah. 
Um, and the Muppets were there, of course, but sure. it just... It felt kind of pseudo-Disney. Exactly. So, um, I had mentioned there's bark bags in there. It's an original attraction. It's the focal point of Paradise Pier. Um, the Sunwheel actually ended up closing in mid-October 2008 after a half-year makeover to become Mickey's Fun Wheel in May 2009. It had a similar... Uh, we had the smiling face of Mickey Mouse, like you would see similarly to like the cartoon introductions where he kind of flies forward. Um, and that was in place of where the sun face had been. Um, this is actually a screen that they printed on. Uh, I think it looks great. And um, it uh, actually preceded the 2010 opening of World of Color. And what the World of Color did was it kind of gave fans a reason to stay later. Because they weren't really staying late at the park, there was no need to to do that necessarily because of the lack of attractions and how cheap and lame, um, you know, Paradise Pier was. Right, there was not a whole lot going on, and there was no nighttime show, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think the World of Color might have been the very first one, mm-hmm. or if anything, you know, the the first one of any kind of note. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean, just like a a real kind of a real kind of bust over there. Um, I'm looking something up really quick because I wanted to clarify something here. So, um, uh, of course, in 2008, around the same time, we were kind of, you know, they were kind of working on this big revitalization of Paradise Pier, and that also included the opening of Toy Story Mania. Um, in 2012, uh, the park was officially rededicated by Bob Iger which was necessary. Um, this is around the time of Cars Land, of course. You know, you've got, um, uh, you've got the, the new Fun Wheel. You've got, I guess that's kind of about it at the time, huh? Not a lot of... Yeah, but there was, I mean, even just including those things, it felt much more Disney at that point. It did. I think so, too. Um, I think that the fact that it was a giant Mickey Mouse face really made a big difference. Although awning on... on um, uh, California Screamin' previously, what you would see is um, it was, the loop was the head of Mickey Mouse, and then there were two ears with similar style behind it. Right. Um, I recall as a kid, I didn't go on the ride because I was convinced that you did triple loops. You would yeah. do like through the head, through the ear, through the other ear, and then back, and it really freaked me out. So right. I never rode it. I didn't ride it until I think like my second trip there in 2003. Yeah. Uh, but um, that was my first upside down roller coaster, actually. Oh. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so so it, it kind of stayed that way. I don't really remember what rides were there exactly. I do remember that, you know, as you're walking down toward the boardwalk, there were these really kind of classic posters um, of people kind of hanging out on the beach in sunny Southern California, um, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, and I feel like, I feel like uh, Mickey's Fun Wheel was the best version of that, like, of, of that of that ferris wheel yeah because now um as of 2018 it's pixar pal around sure um paradise pier began its transformation in 2018 um to pixar pier and uh, mickey's fun wheel closed and became pixar's pal around in june 2018 um with new artwork on the gondolas but there was still the giant uh, mickey mouse um uh, just huge face sitting there on the side of the, the center of the wheel um it uh in 2014 led lights were added to it um and uh what i found really interesting about this whole thing is if you think about you know 
because everything that Disney does has to be some kind of a business move. I mean, they do things for their guests, but at the end of the day, they have board members to report to. Right. Stuff like that. So um, we know that Pixar Pier was stale and, and not – or Paradise Pier was stale and not great and just had like really boring, terrible attractions, um, food stands, things like that. And I think that Mickey's Fun Wheel and Toy Story Mania were really big components to like helping revitalize it. And I, to me anyway, I think California Screaming was still really great, even though um, they did update it to the Incredicoaster around sure. the same time. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I read, I don't know how true this is, but logically it all kind of makes sense and, and feels like it snaps together. Um, opening up Pixar Pier in 2018 was kind of almost like a move to alleviate some of the pressure from Galaxy's Edge opening up the following year, right? Sure. So you've got a brand new Star Wars area opening up that's going to be way more immersive. It's not a facelift on an existing, you know, on an existing park land. or existing land, right? right. Um, and so they basically, you know, turn Paradise Pier into a dumping ground for IP where you have like you know, the small fry and, like, uh, angry dogs and just all this weird, like, you know, the adorable snowmen, snow cones, like, all these weird kind of silly Buzzies, stands. And, stand. Yeah, and, like, all these games and that are fun and, like, fine and serve a purpose. But it definitely, you know, it definitely kind of after a while just became, like, a big dumping ground for, like, Pixar IP with the Lamplight Lounge and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I feel like it's very disjointed there, if I may. Um, It feels very strange, but... I think it's because Pixar... You have old Pixar, mm -hmm. you have new Pixar, and it's all intertwined. Right. Well, and with, like, for instance, you know, the the chicken box thing, like, that's from um, a Toy Story short, Small Fry. Right. Like, it, I, I don't, I've seen it once, but it doesn't really ring true to me as, like, real IP that makes sense from the films. Mm -hmm. And then one of the arcade games, I think, is from Luna or La Luna. Oh, okay. Which is the... um. Pixar short where they like catch stars. Right. You know which one I'm talking about? Yep. And the dad, the guy that looks like the dad from Luca is the fisherman. Uh -huh. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's sort of strange, but the strangest thing to me about it is that they made the decision to like, I'm, I'm on board with this, but I also think that like, it was weird that they decided to keep Mickey Mouse's face on the side of the fun wheel when it's now Pixar's pal around sure. all about friendship and like the way that it works is you have like, you know, across from like exactly across from one another, you have like Woody and Buzz and uh, Heimlich and Flick and Emil and Remy and Mr. Incredible and Mrs. Incredible, like so on. Sure. Um, so I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's sort of a strange choice and the, the way that it's sort of gone from, you know, this weird sun wheel that was like from a California postcard, which is the whole idea to begin with to a really nice sort of, old school style of Disney cartoons with the Silly Symphony Swings and the, and the Mickey's Fun Wheel and all that. Um, strange choice to go to, to Pixar Pal around. I, I still wouldn't, I don't think I would want to say it. Like if we go, I'd, I'd refer to it as like Mickey's Fun Wheel. Yeah, we do still call it Mickey's Fun Wheel. Yeah. Because it looks on the outside like Mickey's Fun Wheel until you get up close and then you see all of the Pixar stuff around it. And, and if you're in line, um, have the voice. Uh, it, it switches between Miguel from Coco. Um, talking about the safety instructions in Spanish, and then it has Dory giving the safety instructions in English, but it's a very obvious ripoff of Ellen DeGeneres. Like, it's right. actually not her, so it right. sounds, it's very Uncanny Valley where you can kind of understand it, but, like, also you know it's not 
really Dory. Right. So it's very strange yeah. to listen to. Yeah, that was funny last time we were there. Yeah, it, I think so. Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of my spiel about like about it. I, it's, it's again, there's not that much, and um, but my biggest thing is I just think that the Pixar angle is very strange. It just uh, we've been there together, and I, I just wasn't. Um, I had a very hard time sort of understanding it. This episode is brought to you by Deep Cut. Deep Cut are makers and purveyors of handcrafted, extremely high-quality record storage and displays, shelving, slip mats, coasters, and so much more. We love these guys. They're based out of Minnesota, and they've been sponsoring the show for some time now, but we've actually had Deep Cut in our home for years. One of the first things that we got from them were actually our uh, flip record display shelves and their floating U-shelves that we just absolutely love. Uh, their U-shelves are beautiful. We have the walnut, uh, the walnut ones that are actually in our bedroom and hold some plants, some photo frames, uh, some books, things like that. And also we have their flip record display shelves in our sitting room uh, where our record player is and we have all of our favorite albums um, easily accessible and, and ready to see at any given time. Um, I, I can't really say enough about how much we, we really love Deep Cut. Um, they're such a great company. Their philosophy is quality and handcraftsman and handcrafted products first and uh, it's, it's just one of those places where when you when you get an when you get um uh, when you when you get your package when you get your stuff from deep cut you, you can just tell immediately when you pull it out like you can smell um you can smell the wood you can feel like the quality of it as you are um as you're kind of uh, pulling everything out and taking a look at your new products it's it's unbelievable and frankly it's it's unrivaled um, we have as the Parks Academy a very special promo code. You can use the code TPA10 at checkout, and you will get 10% off your first order at Deep Cut. Listen, guys, I, I, I really got to tell you, um, you can go ahead and apply this to anything um, from their brand new tabletop uh, record stand, which I highly recommend. Uh, their wall cubes, like I said, their uh, their flip record display shelves, their amazing turntable coasters. And um, also, I love, I, I, I keep saying this, but I love their uh, floating new shelves. I'm such an advocate and, a, uh, and, and someone who um, just loves these products and will, will, will tell it to everyone. I'm not saying this because they sponsor the show. I mean this. Um, we actually got their coasters not that long ago. And one of my favorite things about it is uh, that there's a detail in the middle of the record that says, listen to music the hard way. Um, again, I just, you know, their, their passion for quality and aesthetics and, 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 bringing forward a really great product is is undeniable. So again, if you go to their website and you type in TPA10, you are going to get 10% off your first order. Thank you again so much to Deep Cut for sponsoring the show and being a part of the Parks Academy. And now back to the show. You know what? So I, I've talked on the show before about how I like DCA better than Disneyland. Um, because it feels like a more grown-up park. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I really like about DCA actually is Pixar Pier because I like the Pixar elements. You don't get Pixar everywhere throughout all of the Disney parks. Right. Some You see a Pixar movie or a character here and there, like, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Astro Blasters, seeing Woody uh, in, like, Frontierland or whatever. Correct. Or um, Toy Story Land. Buzzing. Yeah, right. Like, there's occasional things but mm -hmm. i feel like pixar really has most of its representation in dca compared to all of the other disney parks sure yeah including inside out which is one of my mm -hmm. favorites yeah they have that inside out joy right and there. sadness yeah. and they have the little attraction there um 
with all the emotions. And then there's a little store with Inside Out. So I think the smart thing about doing Pixar Pier is that gives them so much room to consistently update mm-hmm. and add. Yeah, I because understand Pixar that. Pixar is consistently making new films, not mm-hmm. all of them great. I was going to say, arguably, some of them are not really great anymore. And so you see that they're not always adding those in based yeah. on them yeah. not doing well. But I also think that some of them that I really have liked um, have gotten added in, like Inside Out, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw something recently that they added a turning red um, gondola onto Pixar Pal Around. I didn't see that. Did you see that? Mm-mm. I don't know. Boy, I did my research, huh? Well, I can't remember when I saw it. Hold on. Yeah. Let me look it up. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on that. One thing I will note is uh, Paradise Gardens Park is actually still in existence. It's just beyond Pixar Pier. So if you go like past the Silly Symphony Swings, past Goofy's, like into Goofy's Sky School and stuff, um, toward like, you know, the, the Ariel's Grotto area, um, or the Little Mermaid, what, I don't remember what the names of the ride is for some horrible reason. I've forgotten it, but, uh, um, that's actually Paradise Gardens. So I think it's funny that it's still like, they kept that name in there. Um, what do you got? So the turning red gondola Mm -hmm. is right behind the car's gondola. It was previously a purple gondola with Wally on it. Oh, so they got rid of Wally and Eve then. And now it's the little girl from turning red. Okay. Um, and then is it her and then the panda or who's her I pal? I would assume so. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. It's her and then the panda. Okay. I mean, I, that's fine. I, I just, you know, I don't know. Um, I just, I just personally feel like, you know, I think that, I, I think that Toy Story Mania was a great fit there because they like custom fit a ride that was perfect for Midway Mania thing. Right. Um, but at the same time, I just I almost wonder if too much Pixar was just like forced in there. Like I I, I mentioned it, it's kind of like a dumping ground for IP. It sort of feels that way to me, but you know. Yeah, it's... I think some of the games and mm-hmm. shops and things definitely are. Yeah, I I um I think that if I had to have my um if if I were to be listened to or if I was in charge of that, I know that this isn't going to be selling nearly as much merchandise because of like young kids and stuff. But I would have personally kept it as like the classic 1920s through 1940s Mickey Mouse cartoons. Right. Because that's really what they were trying to do with it, where, you know, the uh, the swings or the, uh, the the Ferris wheel was the old classic vintage Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, Pluto, all that, and Daisy. Um, and then you had the Silly Symphony Swings. And even, like, Goofy Sky School, as silly as it is, still kind of fit in there with, like, the Goofy's how-to videos and stuff. Right. Um, I almost wonder, it, it, it almost would have made, like, more sense to, to keep it that. But yeah. I guess not. Well, and if you think about it, think about the six parks in the U.S. There's not a ton of Mickey and Friends. Right, exactly. Which we've always thought was interesting. And it was a big deal when Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway because that was the first Mickey Mouse attraction. Like Right, like True Blue Mickey Mouse attraction right. in there with him. Right. Um, yeah, I think that I would have, I think that I would leave Mickey's Fun Wheel the way it is. I don't know what they would have done with Incredicoaster to be more like mickey mouse based but i'm sure sure they could have come up with something um i just don't know do they have the pixar studios place in dca too no they don't that's That's just just hollywood studios that's just in hollywood studios that's what i was trying to think i want because i wonder if part of the reason why they did that in disneyland is because they do have pixar studios out there in the bay area and so that really does Mm-hmm. still fit in with you've got the boardwalks which is very common on the coast of california right mixed with they have pixar studios mm-hmm. out there in the bay area i don't yeah. know maybe that was like just subconsciously 
Yeah. Um, just in, in, in lieu of not being negative, which is something we try really hard not to do ever. Um, I just think that some of the most more recent changes in DCA have been swings and misses. Like I think that around 2008, 2009, they really started getting it right. And then, you know, getting rid of a bug's land um, in place of Avengers Campus, I think was a mistake. I've never been to Avengers Campus. We haven't been there together yet, but I feel like it wasn't the right thing to do. What I feel like overall is, like Steven just said, we have not been to Avengers Campus, but it seems like DCA has lost its purpose. Yeah, it's a mishmash. Of intentionality. Right. Because, as you were telling us in the history, it was supposed to be you come here and you're getting the whole scope of Mm -hmm. California. I think they could have kept that. And still updated yeah. with, you know, a, a Marvel property. Who from Marvel? Is there anybody from California? Ant-Man was in San Quentin. Right. Well, yeah. And, but San Francisco. Yeah. Right? But yes, that takes so place there. So they could have incorporated Ant-Man into the, right. the, you know, they're bringing San Francisco, which I yeah. think is. Yes, that's like that gonna, fits. That that's fits. That's going to be great. Yeah. That's going to be really great. The Grizzly Peak area still feels Perfectly like. Fine. They it have um, uh, Doug and Russell's like um, thing where you can you're the the adventure like I don't know if it's I think it's still there, but like Doug and Russell's like um, wilderness explorer trail right like, that makes sense that fits in with the Northern California yeah you know redwoods and all of right. that stuff right. all of that stuff makes sense what feels disjointed is now you have this Pixar land mm-hmm. and now you have this Avengers land which feels to me more like Universal Studios. Yes. Where you have like right. Simpsons Land and Dr. Seuss, yes. and mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's a whole California experience anymore. Right. It right. feels like you do have mm-hmm. like hints of that. With yeah. there's you know the Napa restaurant. Yes, yeah. So you feel like you're country, in wine country. Pretoria, sure. You have you still have like I said the Grizzly Peak area. Mm-hmm. We're about to have San Francisco, where yeah. the Pacific Wharf was, because right. Pacific Wharf was very reminiscent mm-hmm. of San Francisco and Monterey and all of that stuff. Um, it just feels like it's becoming a little more disjointed and yeah. that they're kind of stray away from mm-hmm. California Adventure being the vibe of everywhere you go in DCA. To me, yeah. it should still feel like everywhere you go should feel like a different yeah. part of California. Because even like a bug's land still felt cute and fun, you know, right. like you have. So if we break it all apart really quickly, you have like a bug's land. Like if I go back before Avengers Campus and before Pixar Pier. You had, you know, a Bugs Land, which was really great and a lot of fun. Um, there's not really any good kids areas like that anymore there, sure. which I think is kind of a shame. And then you had Cars Land, which we can't forget, which is like mm-hmm. one of the best lands, I think, in, in any Disney property. Yes. But it still feels like that, you know, Southern California, like Southeast California, West yep. Route 66 vibe yep. to it. Yep. Um, obviously, Grizzly Peak, we talked about that. Um, Pixar Pier which I think they should have left it as Paradise Pier and left everything alone with it. It was perfect the way it was. Um, maybe just add in a little more old school Mickey IP. And then um, the Tower of Terror, before they turned it into uh, Guardians, Guardians, was right. like an old school Hollywood thing. I mean, it was perfect. The thing with Avengers Campus is it feels too New York City to me. Doesn't it seem super like New York? It feels like... I, so because I haven't been there, I can't like... Mm-hmm. say what the full vibe of it is but it feels to me like it doesn't just fit california yeah because right. you've got well avengers got so the avengers yeah spider-man's is queens spider-man's right. is queens. 
uh, you know, Tony Stark, he's got his big building up in New York. I think I, I feel like the Avengers headquarters is up in like upstate New York somewhere where the like, endgame and, and all those movies took place. Um, so I don't know. It just it feels disjointed and I'm not really sure what to think about it. So I'm looking at the map right now because I. Yeah, I am looking at an older map and, you know, you have Bugs Land Hollywood land, Buena Vista Street. So you have that. You have Grizzly Peak. You have Pacific Wharf. You had Paradise Pier. You had Cars Land. So the only ones that really didn't feel California specifically was a Bugs Land. Yeah, but yes. Yeah. That was the only one that didn't specifically feel like a certain part of California, but it was a kid's area. And so that to me is forgivable. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So yeah, I don't know. Those are Those are my thoughts about the different lands and... Um, it just doesn't feel like California anymore. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I, and I don't want to like, I really would prefer not to complain. I'm just a little confused as to why it is the way it is. Um, I don't know. Avengers Campus to me just feels very, very, very strange. But again, I haven't been there. So it's very difficult for me to actually, you know, concisely say anything about it other than that. Um, I thought I had a question for you and I don't remember what... I was going to ask. Oh, yeah. So we have Mickey on the side of the fun wheel, just to bring it all back around. If you were to put like any other, if there was like a, so Mickey's like the, he's like the shining star of Disney. Who would you put on the side of the Ferris wheel for Pixar? Well, I feel like it would have to be somebody who is super popular or, like, three different very popular characters, right? Um, yeah. So when I think of Pixar, immediately my head goes to Buzz and Woody. Right, right. But I wouldn't just put one of them. I would probably put Buzz and Woody together. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones that I think about are Mike and Sully. Mm-hmm. I think Mike Wazowski would be really cute on the side of the fun wheel, just like that his would be big old good. round face with his big old eye. I think that'd be really cute. I think it could stand alone by itself. Um, I don't know. Uh, Nemo and Dory. <laughs> My first thought would have been the Luxo ball, but of course the Luxo balls in the in the Pixar Pier, like sure. it's it's in the um, loop on yeah. Incredicoaster, right? So that's out, right? It's tough. It's really tough. You know, one thing I forgot to mention, too, is that they have the new Pixar Pal- uh, Place Hotel that the last details we got from it was May 25th, 2023. Yes. Um, And they're taking Paradise, you know, the Paradise Pier Hotel and or Paradise Hotel or whatever and, and, and restructuring it into a Pixar thing. Um, So I think I think I, I think that it's a little strange. They're just doing like fitting Pixar into non Pixar shaped holes. But it seems like DCA is becoming a Pixar park. Yeah, which isn't bad. No. I think it'd be very cool, like, standing on its own. But, like, yep. if you could imagine, um, you know, Toy Story Land, Cars Land, and then, like, combine the two of them next door to each other would be amazing. You can add in, like, there's so many other IPs you could add in. You know, yep. Finding Nemo Land, stuff like that. But right. who am I to who am I to say? Yeah, I think it's slowly becoming a Pixar A Pixar park. Marvel Land. Pixar Marvel Land. It is. Yeah, it's like Pixar Marvel Land. I know, which is funny because those things to me do not go together at all. No. Um, I think that Disney should open up a fifth gate in Florida and have it be Marvel. That would be so cool when they eventually get the when rights. When they get the rights. But I think that'd be great. You know, why not? It'd be awesome. They should just do that. 
I know. That would be really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up this uh, episode of the Parks Academy for us today. Thank you guys so much again for listening. We appreciate everyone. Um, you can find us on Instagram at the Parks Academy. Uh, you can find us on threads now at the Parks Academy and um, on the parksacademypod.com. Again, uh, thank you to our sponsor, uh, Deep Cut, um, for, uh, for supporting our show. You can get 10% off their website of your first order with the code TPA10 at checkout. Um, you know, again, thank you guys so much for everything. We, uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Um, and until then, start in Canada, start in Adventureland. Mm-hmm.